Netflix recently released a new docuseries titled You Are What You Eat, a twin experiment. Today, I wanted to share my personal review of the series so that you know what's true, what's not true, what to listen to, and what to ignore. After listening to this, you'll be equipped to look at the docuseries and not be misinformed. You're listening to The Best You Podcast, where we teach you the healthy habits you need to look and feel like your best you. My name is Nick Carrier, and I'm an entrepreneur and fitness trainer who has coached over 500 people through my program, The 10-Week Transformation. The 10WT makes it simple for former athletes who struggle to prioritize health and fitness to regain the confidence in their health that they once had. This week, I felt compelled to forgo an interview episode and break down the new Netflix document, documentary called You Are What You Eat, A Twin Experiment. In this docuseries, they took 22 identical twins and had one of the twins eat a plant-based diet and the other an omnivorous diet, which is a diet of both meat and plants. The documentary claims its goal is to see which diet is the healthiest when two people who have the same DNA consume them. Before diving in, if you're listening on the Apple Podcasts app or on Spotify, make sure you hit the follow button so you don't miss any of the new episodes. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button below. For now, let's dive into, into a review of You Are What You Eat, a twin experiment. You guys, I'm not going to lie. I was super excited when I heard about this docu-series, when I saw the trailer for it. My fiance actually showed me a trailer for it, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so pumped about this thing. I hope it is actually non-biased, and I hope it actually shows us the true results of if two people who have the exact same DNA consume two different diets, what their before and after results are going to be. Like, I was literally so jacked up about this thing. And the first episode, the details of the first episode verbatim on Netflix, it says, in quotes, identical twins join a scientific study and must stick to either a plant-based or omnivorous diet for eight weeks to determine which is the healthiest. And then almost immediately upon viewing some of the first episode, I was so frustrated. Like I said, I was excited because we all know genetics play a big role in our health, but it's not an exact science of how big of a role they play versus how big of a role our diet, our fitness, and our lifestyle habits play. So I was just pumped to see some like hard evidence of what would change before and after the consuming the two different diets who, of people who had the same identical DNA. But then again, the documentary took such a different tone and it was so frustrating. And today I want to talk about it from a few different angles. I want to talk about the funding and the bias that the docuseries has the farming practices that it talks about, the health that it talks about, and then the results that are reported. So to start off, to give you guys some context on the funding and the bias that is included in this docuseries, because I'll, I'll be the first to say, unfortunately, it's almost impossible to find anybody who is not biased. People who are on the side of pro-meat are biased. People are on the side who are anti-meat are biased, and everyone in the middle has some sort of bias. It's almost something that is completely impossible to eliminate to a 100% degree. But this documentary honestly took it to a new a new level. They claimed that they were honestly seeking to determine which diet is healthiest. But let's actually take a look at who funded it, who developed it, and who produced the show, and who was actually in it. So again, it's You Are What You Eat, a twin experiment. It was funded by the Voigt Foundation, the VOGT Foundation, which is a private foundation that supports the Oceanic Preservation Society. And that's a California-based nonprofit organization that promotes marine conservation and environmental protection by combating global issues. Oh yeah, and 
who produced the not the Netflix documentary. It was the same people who produced Game Changers, this oceanic this oceanic preservation society, and so it already has a huge bias in its own right. And then who directed the docu series? The person who directed the docu series is the executive director of the Oceanic Preservation Society himself. His name is Louis Cihoyos. I believe I got that right. I had to look it up and find how to actually pronounce his name to make sure I have it. Louis Cihoyos. He was is the executive director of the Oceanic Preservation Society, and he directed this docuseries. So to think that you're going to get a study that isn't skewed in the direction of animal rights and not as focused on pure health would be an ignorant belief. And let's talk about who was actually in this docuseries. The main nutrition scientist in the study was a man by the name of Christopher Gardner. Christopher Gardner is a professor at Stanford who started a movement called Stealth Nutrition, whose goal is to get health professionals to encourage their clients to consider the links between food and animal rights and welfare, food and climate change, and food and and human labor abuses. He's also the head of Stanford's plant-based diet initiative, which is funded by Beyond Meat. And if you don't know what Beyond Meat is, it's a a company that creates plant-based vegan meats and that they say is tasty and better for you and better for our planet. And then there's more standouts in the docuseries as well, like Patrick Brown, who's the founder of Impossible Foods, which is another company that also makes vegan meats. Then there's another person, Miyoko Shinner, who is the founder of Miyoko's, which is a company that makes vegan cheeses. And her personal Instagram profile, her bio says, she is an activist out to end cruelty to animals and climate change by connecting our palates to our future. Now, again, when I'm bringing up these people and bringing up these companies, I'm not saying that these are bad people or these are bad companies per se, but I am saying that they have an agenda. I am saying that there's absolutely no way that this docuseries directed by a vegan based on a study done by a vegan with a vegan fitness trainer and funded by vegan food companies is going to provide an unbiased look at health and nutrition. So that's the first thing to make sure you realize either after watching this or while you go in to watch it, you want to make sure you understand all the kind of bias that is being influenced by this docuseries. So that was the first one, funding and bias. Let's talk about the farming practices because this is a topic that is in a docuseries that is supposed to be about nutrition and supposed to be about health. They bring farming practice. They talk about farming practices almost for, I would, this is not analyzed, but I would bet that of the about four hours of this entire docuseries, I would bet almost half of it, almost two full hours, were based on the farming practices. So I'll be completely honest. This is an area that is not my area of expertise. But what I do know from my own personal research is, is that for starters, that industrial agricultural agriculture and factory farming is not what's best for our environment. It's not a responsible way to raise animals, and the meat that it produces is not what's best for our health. There's no doubt about all of that. And some of the images that they show and videos that they show and pictures that they show are gruesome and nasty, and I don't think we should be supporting those kinds of things. So, but there are a couple of things I want to kind of touch on when it comes to that. Number one, the degree to which it is harmful to our environment and our health is oftentimes overblown. And number two, the documentary spent absolutely zero time recognizing regenerative regenerative and responsible farming practices. But let's go back to the, the fact that the degree to which the negative impacts on our environment and the negative impacts on our health are far too overblown. Let's take the popular claim that cows burping and farting adds methane gas into the atmosphere. Now, 
There was an analysis that came out in 2006 by the Food and Agriculture Organization of the United Nations, and they called it Livestock's Long Shadow. This report said that livestock produces 18% of all the greenhouse gas emissions, which is more than the transportation sector. And in the documentary itself, a guy named Carlos Nober, who is a scientist at the University of Sao Paulo, says, in quotes, we know that a large amount of global emissions comes from the whole global agricultural sector, and most of that comes from cattle. But what this 2006 analysis failed to separate was the percentage of greenhouse gas emissions that came from the actual cattle themselves versus what came from other things like the manufacturing of the cars and planes of the industry, the energy required to run the factories, the energy used for transportation and refining oil. Like again, it says that eight, this 2006 analysis said that 18% of all greenhouse gas emissions comes from livestock when maybe when they're saying 18%, they're not just saying the cattle themselves. They're really saying all of these things. They didn't separate that stuff out. But then even more recently, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, says that all livestock only represent 3.9% of greenhouse gas emissions and that beef cattle only represent 2% of total greenhouse gas emissions. And then again, the topic of methane, I've seen things where methane produced from cows is not the same uh, because it has to be turned into carbon dioxide. It's not the same effect on the atmosphere as carbon dioxide that's released from fossil fuels and things of that nature. Again, this is not my topic of or area of expertise. I just know that they far over-exaggerate the negative impacts on the environment of this type of farming practice. And then another thing is, is it's very easy to say things that make sense on the surface and can scare you into changing your into changing your beliefs that aren't founded on any kind of truth. For example, Patrick Brown, the founder of Impossible Foods, was quoted in the documentary saying, every time you eat a piece of meat, a little puff of smoke goes up in the Amazon. I mean, come on. He's just trying to make you feel guilty for eating meat and paints this ridiculous picture in your head. And again, it's so easy to like scare people into thinking that that is true. Like I'm a bad person if I'm eating meat. And it's just so frustrating that people paint these kinds of pictures. And there's another direct quote from somebody who I, for, I forget exactly who it is in the documentary, but the quote says, I read a report that said we would need three planets to survive if we continue to eat like we eat. And they don't go on to note any particular report or any particular study or back up any kind of reason why. They just go out and say that sort of thing. And again, it's an easy thing, easy tactic to scare people into believing that thing is that that's true. And it doesn't go into saying factory farming versus regenerative farming. It doesn't say how much meat. Like It's just ridiculous with making a claim like that. It's just irresponsible and it's not based on anything. Again, am I an expert on farming practices? No. Am I an expert on greenhouse gas emissions? No. But what I do know is that these things are, are over-exaggerated to get to, to scare you and to get you to change your beliefs. Also, remember what I said earlier about how they do not recognize or talk about it all in this docuseries, the difference between factory farming and regenerative farming, the difference between factory farming and responsible farming. Like I personally, I made the change a long time ago that I don't buy certain products that are not raised the right way, both from a, an environmental perspective and from a nutrition perspective. Like when I buy beef, I always buy grass fed. When I buy fish, I always buy wild caught. When I buy chicken and eggs, I always get organic and pasture raised. This ensures that the animals were raised right, they have positive effects on our environment, and they're very nutritious for our bodies. 
And the last thing that they didn't even mention were a lot of the negative side effects of things like soy farming, which is a main ingredient in a lot of vegan foods. Some of the negative effects being soil erosion and degradation. Again, that's not my area of expertise, so I'm not going to try to talk on it too much further or act like I'm an expert. However, from what I can tell, farming practices required to eat a vegan diet are also not great for our planet. Now, we talked about funding and bias. We talked about farming practices. Now, let's dive into what the docuseries was actually supposed to be about, and that's health. The classic argument against meat that has been used for decades, especially from plant-based, vegetarian, vegan community, is the dangers of saturated fat. And this documentary also leverages that argument. It's a decade-old critique that has been modified tons of times by many people over the years. Now, really, most scientists accept that saturated fats are not as unhealthy as they previously assumed. According to Healthline, evidence suggests that they don't even cause heart disease, though their exact role is still being debated and investigated. Now, do I think we should be eating just buttloads of saturated fat? No. But if you have saturated fat from responsibly raised sources in proper amounts, then the dangers of them are minimal to none. The documentary goes further into this like decade-old argument that eating saturated fats will increase your LDL cholesterol levels. But now people are really coming to realize that the link between cholesterol levels and heart disease is a whole lot more complex than we once thought. There's not just one kind of LDL cholesterol. There's LDL cholesterol that is large and puffy, and then there is small LDL cholesterol that is small and dense. And the large, puffy LDL cholesterol is not related to heart disease where the small and dense particles are. But when you're going to get a regular blood test and get your blood panel done, it doesn't separate out large versus small LDL particles. And so that's something that we're still learning a whole lot more about. And this documentary just uses easy, formerly used arguments to quickly portray to the general public why saturated fats and LDL cholesterol is unhealthy and will clog your arteries and all this kind of stuff. But again, the scientists and, and everything are getting to the point where they're realizing that it's a lot more complex and it's actually not a direct link to things like heart disease and other dangerous things. Another thing that this docuseries does, which is super frustrating, is they have everyday people talk about how you can eat a plant-based diet and get all the nutrients that you can from an omnivorous diet. There's this unnamed woman in the docuseries who touts how good mushrooms are for your health. She talks about how mushrooms have both vitamin B12 and iron, so it's even better than eating meat, she says. When I heard that, I was really surprised. I was like, wow, I didn't realize how healthy mushrooms are. So I fact-checked it, and I compared mu mushrooms to grass-fed ground beef. So let's start with the two things, with vitamin B12. According to numbers from the National Institute of Health, the daily recommendation of vitamin B12 is 2.4 micrograms. So how much is in ground beef and mushrooms? In four ounces of grass-fed ground beef, it has 2.2 micrograms of B12. And remember, the daily recommendation is 2.4. And remember, when you're buying one pound of ground beef at the grocery store, it's 16 ounces. So four ounces is just a quarter of that. So it's not even a crazy high amount. When compared to mushrooms, one cup of raw brown mushrooms has 0.1 micrograms of B12. And I also checked out white mushrooms and shiitake mushrooms and all other mushrooms, and they didn't have any B12. So this whole vitamin B12 claim is completely false. So she claimed vitamin B12 and iron. So how about iron? According to numbers, again, from the National Institute of Health, the daily recommendation for iron is 8 milligrams. Four ounces of grass-fed ground beef contains 2.3 milligrams of iron, which is just 
over a quarter of the daily recommendation. When it comes to one cup of raw brown mushrooms, it contains 0.3 milligrams of iron. Now, one cup of white mushrooms contains 0.5 milligrams of iron. So yes, mushrooms do contain some iron, but it's minimal, and it would take eating a crap ton of mushrooms to get to the same quantity of iron as grass-fed ground beef. So once again, this is misleading information. A lot of people say that this type of food has this vitamin or has this mineral, but they don't go on to talk about how much of that that they actually have. Does it have the recommended amount of nutrients? How much of it do you actually need to eat to get the recommended amount and things like that? And so it's really easy to say a food has a particular vitamin or mineral, but not explaining that any further. Now, lastly, let's talk about what I was originally super excited about with this docu-series, which is the results. The results honestly should have been the most shared and the most interesting part about this study, but it was so frustrating because they spent like 20 minutes of this entire four-hour docu-series talking about the results themselves. But even when they did talk about them, they found a way to put their own spin on it. They reported results on four sets of twins and their body composition results are as follows. I'll try to share this verbally in a in a digestible of a manner as possible. So, a first set of twins, Javon and John. Javon, who was an omnivore, gained 7.1 pounds of muscle. John, the vegan, gained 2.3 pounds of muscle. When reporting this, I was probably as frustrated as I was throughout the entire docu-series. For literally, because for literally every single person that they reported body composition changes, they showed body weight they sh- and how that changed. They showed how body fat changed. They showed how muscle mass changed. For every single person, they showed a graphic on the screen of the person and all of those numbers and how they changed. They showed that for every single person except Jav- Javon, except the omnivore who gained 7.1 pounds of muscle. They breezed past us so quickly and they didn't even note how amazing of a gain that is in just eight short weeks. But then this lady who's reporting all these results, when she's talking about John, who is the vegan who gains 2.3 pounds of muscle, she talked about it like it was the most amazing thing that she's ever seen. And yes, that's an awesome gain. And they even showed the graphic of him on the screen, but they didn't show the graphic of the screen on the other guy. And it was one of the biggest disservices to the viewer that I think of this almost whole docuseries. So that was really frustrating when reporting that set of twins. Next up, let's talk about Carolyn and Rosalind. Rosalind, the omnivore, she lost 8.1 pounds of body weight, of which she lost 7.7 pounds of fat and 0.4 pounds of muscle. Carolyn, the vegan, she lost 7.9 pounds of body weight, of which she lost 5 pounds of fat, but she also lost 2.9 pounds of muscle. When they go about discussing their results, they essentially blamed Carolyn, the vegan, her lack of maintaining muscle due to the fact that she didn't strength train as as much or, or as well as her sister, Rosalind, which I'm sure, yes, is a huge reason why she did lose 2.9 pounds of muscle, whereas Rosalind only lost 0.4. But they didn't even mention how maybe it was due to the fact that she also was eating insufficient amounts of protein. Next up, let's talk about Charlie and Michael. Michael, the omnivore, he lost 0.2 pounds of body weight, but of which of that, he lost 3.8 pounds of fat and he gained 3.6 pounds of muscle. Now, Charlie, the vegan, he lost 3.5 pounds of body weight, of which he lost 2.8 pounds of fat, but he also lost 0.7 pounds 
pounds of muscle. And reporting, when reporting their results, they basically attributed Charlie's awesome muscle to the fact that he wasn't weight training like Michael. And then the girl also told him, I'm convinced you were under eating. And then he responded to her by saying, I felt like I was stuffing myself all the time. But Michael, the omnivore in this situation was basically the only person who had a complete body recomposition, meaning he lost fat and gained muscle to a significant degree, right? Like he lost 3.8 pounds of fat and gained 3.6 pounds of muscle, but they like breezed by his results. And they just kind of talked about Charlie from the standpoint of, yeah, you this probably happened. You probably didn't see the results that you wanted because you didn't weight train and eat enough as your brother did. Lastly, let's talk about the last set of twins, Pam and Wendy. Wendy, the omnivore, she lost 3.5 pounds of body weight, of which she gained 0.3 pounds of fat and lost 3.8 pounds of muscle. Pam, her sister, who was the vegan, she lost 7.6 pounds of body weight, of which she lost one pound of fat, but she also lost 6.6 pounds of muscle. When reporting those results, both sisters claimed that they didn't do or admitted to the fact they didn't really do the weight training that their trainer had prescribed. Instead, they just added in jump rope and the treadmill regularly. So, of course, just because they stuck to cardio only, they lost weight, but they lost a ton of muscle. Almost all their weight they lost was muscle. So both of them had very had similar results. The omnivore lost less muscle, where the vegan lost more muscle. And again, they didn't even really compare the differences. And so what do the results tell us? Honestly, it's hard to tell because it's only four sets of twins and it's only an eight week study. And they didn't show us exactly what they were eating, the macronutrient profile, how many calories they ate, what their workout routines looked like and more things like that. But when it comes to body composition, the omnivores they reported had more favorable results than the vegans. But I don't even really care about that. Honestly, I'm mainly frustrated with how they portrayed it to the viewer during the docu-series itself. They pointed out all of the good things of the vegans and they just kind of passed passed by all of the good things from the omnivores. And then they any kind of negative result from vegans, they kind of explained away or blamed the participant as to why that happened. Now, in kind of conclusion, there's plenty more about this docu-series that frustrates me. And a few of them are the following. The lady who is evaluating and giving the report of the results at the end, she literally says that, and she tells them that if energy doesn't come from carbs, then where do you think it comes from? It's not from fat, it's from muscle. That's not true. Another thing, they try to make it sound like childhood obesity and type 2 diabetes are because of the consumption of meat when it's really from the consumption of refined sugars. Another thing is they say big words like bifid, uh, man, this was a tough one, bifidobacteria. They say big words like that. And they say that it only comes from a vegan diet to make it sound smart and true. And while, yes, this kind of bacteria that is good for the health of your microbiome, it comes from plant foods, but it comes but it comes from fermented foods. And that's something that like you really need to intentionally add into your diet, coming from things like sauerkraut, coming from things like yogurt, and coming from other fermented vegetables as well. So yes, that's a very healthy thing, but they make it sound like if you follow a vegan diet, you're going to have this great gut healthy microbiome when it's like, well, you got to be really specific about what it is that you're consuming. And they don't really go into fine, more fine detail like that. And then lastly, they try to make meat eaters sound like bad people. There's this famous chef in the episode that tells us when he changed his restaurant to a vegan menu that he had meat distributors reach out to him and say some nasty things to him. And maybe they did 
or maybe they didn't, who knows, but this show does everything it can to put a negative spin on all things meat. Now look, I love vegetables. I love fruit. I think everybody needs to be eating more fruits and vegetables in their diet. I think that the main culprit of the standard American diet that is bad is the processed foods. They do a really great job during this docuseries talking about the negative impacts of pizza. It's like, yes, nobody's going to argue you that pizza is a health food. There's Nobody believes that pizza is a health food. And then they just go on and on and on about how all things meat are bad and they show you all these pictures of like fried chicken and all this stuff like that's not what a healthy omnivorous diet actually looks like and so it just gets really frustrating with how they portray it all and again I'm not hating on vegetarians or vegans I'm hating on the documentary and how it claims to be about health when it's clearly not like I said I think basically everybody should be eating more fruits and veggies in a day I always try to eat at least four cups of vegetables a day and at least two cups of fruit a day but when, it, when animals are raised right and consumed in the proper manner, in the proper quantities, they are one of the healthy, healthiest things we can eat. They can actually be beneficial for our environment. And yeah, they taste pretty damn good too. So if you're somebody who has already watched this, I hope this provides you with some more context on the docuseries. Again, I think generally speaking, kind of like taking a step back and reviewing it. Factory farming is not good. The... A lot of the industrial practices that are going on with farming and raising animals is not good. It's not good for our environment. It's not right for the animals. And it's not leading to the most nutritious types of food. No doubt about it. But that doesn't mean that all meat is bad. Because when farming is done right, which it is done so much more nowadays, that, that can actually be good for our environment. It can be good for the animals. And it can be super, super nutritious for our health. So... It's not meat is good or meat is bad. It's good meat is good, bad meat is bad. And when it comes to a vegan diet, there are a lot of deficiencies of a vegan diet that people need to really consider when it comes to optimizing their health. Obviously, not enough protein, things like vitamin B12, things like iron, things like omega-3 fats, like this specific type of omega-3 fat that helps to nourish your brain and helps to nourish your cell membranes and everything like that there's just man this docuseries did me in it did me in i hope i hope today educated you i hope you got something out of today whether you've seen the docuseries or not um i just think the spread of misinformation is so rampant nowadays because everybody has a bias and i'm not sure if i i mean i think of course I have a bias. I don't know exactly what I would say my bias is. I eat tons of fruits and veggies. And yes, I eat responsibly raised meat. I'm just out to improve my own health. I just don't like when people are spreading misinformation, which is why I wanted to share this podcast with you guys and and talk a little bit about what's going on when you see a docu-series like this. So share this with a friend or family member who has seen the episode or who hasn't seen the episode so they're not, they don't get misinformed because... The reality is all of us want to improve our health and it's so overwhelming when there's a bunch of confusing and differing narratives and differing opinions and differing science and data and facts. I put all that in quotations because people can represent their own data and facts and however they want to, to skew your own beliefs and change your beliefs and change your opinions. And so we all just want the truth. We all want to improve our health and I hope today provides you with some of that. 
so that you can get closer to the healthiest version of yourself and ultimately closer and closer to your best you.